Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I really am going to do that. What you heard me talk about with Boyd Matheson there. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the most like saintly monuments, right? The most, uh, the most precious, unimpeachable monuments that we have in this country. And I am going to play the protester game where I establish <laughs> a pathway back to evil. I'm going to come up with a reason to tear down everything. <laughs> I heard, let me explain if you weren't listening, I heard earlier today someone in jest uh, making reference to, oh yeah, next thing you know, they'll be tearing down the Statue of Liberty. And I thought, well, that's, that's impossible. There's no possible way to, you know, to, to find some flaw in the Statue of Liberty, Liberty uh, sufficient to, to tear her down. Unless there is. And I thought, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to look at the Statue of Liberty. I'm going to identify something. And it may take a a number of degrees of separation, but I'll find it. I'll find the flaw. And so where I've started is this. Uh, You you know, uh, she holds the the torch aloft there. And in her other hand, she has a a poem, the, the New Colossus, I think it's called, written by Emma Lazarus. And so I thought, okay, well, Emma Lazarus. Let's see what we know about Emma Lazarus. And so I uh, looked at her family, members of her family, some of her actions in life. Unimpeachable, rock star, wonderful. Emma Lazarus, great. No one was tearing down a monument to Emma Lazarus. But then I thought, what about her family? What about Emma Lazarus's family? So I looked at uh, some cousins, and I found she had a cousin who was a member of the Supreme Court. I thought, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those Supreme Court justices, they've got all kinds of skeletons. Well... I couldn't find one, but uh, I'm sure. <clears throat> I'm sure if I keep digging, which I will after the program today and on Monday, uh, I'm going to put. I'm going to present to you a number of these funny little daisy chains to evil. <laughs> I know it's a. I know it's a waste of time. I know it's not even that funny, uh, but it's a, It's an interesting little exercise into uh, the, the the thought process that may be, uh, you know, on the minds of many of these individuals who are tearing down uh, these monuments. Because it just doesn't make sense, all right? That that Statue of Liberty thing I, I just shared with you was an attempt to illustrate the absurdity of some of the rationale behind the toppling of some of these statues. The, the real-world example that comes to mind is something you and I have discussed a, a number of times, and it's that Emancipation Statue, the Emancipation Memorial in Washington, D.C. It's a few blocks from the Capitol. I used to walk by it from time to time. Uh, in fact, most recently, when my wife was pregnant, just uh, weeks before little baby Piper uh, came around, whose uh, eight-month birthday is today, uh, I'm still waiting for texts from you that I can read to her. Birthday wishes, 575-00 at the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Happy birthday, Piper. Eight months. Pretty good. I walked by the statue last when I was 
picking up some raspberry tea. I guess there's some sort of value uh, to to women expecting uh, in in raspberry tea. And I was instructed to go uh, to this neighborhood, to the tea shop, and pick it up. And it was right next to uh, this emancipation statue of Abraham Lincoln that I was able to get my hands on that tea. And uh, anyway, I remember looking at it and seeing it, and I read the placard there in front, and it is on that placard where I learned that, oh my gosh, this statue here, this statue here was, was funded by freed slaves. That every dollar required to erect this statue came from money earned by newly freed slaves. It doesn't stop there. On the day of its dedication, the man giving the address was Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass. Yeah. It turns out we today, uh, we're smarter than him, and we know better than those free slaves who wanted to put up the statue. We need to tear it down. Makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me. What also uh, has made no sense to me over the past number of weeks is something which has developed uh, in the state of Washington, specifically uh, the city of Seattle. We've talked about this for a number of times, so I won't, uh, I won't belabor this point. I won't bore you with explaining over and over that there was a group of protesters protesters which decided that the best way to communicate their message was to commandeer an entire portion of the city. And, with the cooperation of the mayor, who pulled police out of that six-block area, CHOP, Capitol Hill, Occupied Place, or whatever the heck they call it, yeah, police haven't been there in weeks. Two people were killed. Two people lost their life because of this circumstance. And countless other crimes were committed. Violent crimes. Crimes of a sexual nature. Took place because the mayor pulled the police out. Surrendered a portion of her city. Surrendered a portion of the city that she was voted to protect. Hmm. Well, yesterday morning, she released a five-page document saying, hey, listen, I know that these protesters have been wronged. I, I, I know. I, I'm on your side. But, uh, you know, the police do need to move in now, so uh, get ready to move out. And the police did go in. Yesterday we walked through the executive order. Now I want you to hear from the mayor herself. Uh, she answered the question essentially, why are you acting now? Here's her response. For weeks we had peaceful demonstrations on Capitol Hill. While thousands have peacefully protested in the area over the last weeks, the public safety threats in recent weeks have been well documented. The multiple acts of gun violence have resulted in tragic deaths of two individuals, both of them teenagers. Multiple others were seriously wounded. Now, you heard her there in the first five seconds of her answer to that question, why are you acting now? You heard the word peaceful being used twice. She could not be more wrong. She said essentially there that when this chop, when this whatever you call it, this movement, this commandeering of a portion of her city, when it started, oh, it was peaceful. No, I'm sorry, Mayor, I don't think you understand what the word peaceful means. I don't think that there can be any peace contained in an act which kicks out police, establishes barricades, and dismantles and vandalizes buildings within their perimeter. Okay, there's nothing about that that is peaceful. And if you didn't see the eventuality, uh, which was the loss of life on two occasions, 
Maybe next time the voters in Seattle have a choice as to who will be their mayor, they'll pick someone else. She continued in her response to many questions yesterday, uh, describing her efforts over many weeks to resolve these issues without police intervention. For weeks, I have been consulting with city departments and particularly with Chief Best and Chief Scoggins on the best ways to reduce the number of people in the area, provide services to homeless individuals, reduce impacts in neighborhoods, and increase public safety. Despite our continued efforts to de-escalate and bring community messengers in, including personally having conversations with demonstrator organizations on Friday, the deteriorating conditions and repeated gun violence required us to immediately address public safety concerns. Now, hold on a second, Mayor. You, you mentioned there that for weeks you have been trying to de-escalate when in your first statement you said that at the beginning it was very peaceful. What about peace needs de-escalation? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, think, uh, I think this got out of hand. You got scared and now you're acting. It frustrates me. It frustrates me a great deal because what's happening now is we're focused on, on this. We're having this conversation. When there are individuals who are peacefully assembling and voicing their concerns with society, with police practices, with whatever it may be, as exemplified in Provo just yesterday. Yeah, th there was an example yesterday uh, where protesters, Black Lives Matter individuals uh, who were protesting under the signs chanting Black Lives Matter and such like that, and on the other side of the street, they were Make America Great Again folks, Trump supporters. Was there any violence between those two groups? You know, th there wasn't. You know what ended up happening? Yeah, th this is amazing. <clears throat> and I'm so proud of these individuals, those two protest groups, and I'm proud of Utah for being a place where this type of thing can happen. And I hope that uh, what I'm about to describe is the example that has followed throughout the country and not what took place up in Seattle. In Provo last night, these two groups of protesters at one point, uh, they stepped into no man's land. Both groups came together, met in the middle, and they had conversations. They talked back and forth. And when one portion of this group would get out of hand, leaders would say, oh, no, 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 no. Let's let our brothers and sisters here speak and voice their concerns as we are here doing ourselves. It was a beautiful thing. It ended peacefully. And no shots were fired. And no one died. That's what happened in Utah last night, Provo, Utah. Uh, it is not what happened in Seattle. Next up, we're going to be speaking with a friend of mine, Jason Rance. He's a talk show host up in Seattle, Washington. He's had his eyes on this chop ordeal for weeks now. He's got some interesting thoughts, and he'll share them with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.